Welcome to Mandatory Happy, a podcast exploring the highs, lows, and horrors of romantic comedies through the ages. I'm Renee. And I'm Ray. And tonight we'll be discussing City of Angels, where two people fall in love, whether they like it or not. (laughs) So we're going to open with a brief summary. Um, And it's kind of, in a way, like the most batshit summary of a movie ever, right? (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I take it over like frat boy romances any day of the week, but still, yeah, it's still pretty special. Um, Do you want to sum it up? Sure. So what we have is uh, Nicolas Cage as a leading man in a romance because it was the 90s. That's the first unbelievable part. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, And he's an angel and he hangs out with his angel buddies all the time. And he and his best angel friend are really interested in humanity. Well, and I think all of the day, angels are interested in humanity just because that's kind of their job. That's their only job. But anyway. I felt like, yeah, okay, so we'll get into this on the next, like, on the next portion, right? The deeper analysis, because okay. I have some thoughts about this. <laughs> so he's, he's, he and his friend are always talking about, like, what humans are like and all of this. And then one day, out of the blue, Meg Ryan sees him when she shouldn't be able to see him. And he becomes kind of infatuated with her. And he smells her hair a lot. He smells her hair a lot and they fall in love. And that's yeah. basically the movie. With, you know, without getting into the spoilers, which we're totally going to get into later, but yes, there should be a spoiler <laughs> alert right about now. Um yeah, there's major yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I I think I think the first most important thing especially given the fact that, you know, we've already mentioned this is a movie about two people falling in love, whether they like it or not. Um, My first thought about this is that why would anyone fall in love with Nicolas Cage in this role? He's like, I'd say he's the most boring man on earth, but he's not even a man on earth. So it's like, he's the most boring being in the universe. And she's still like, I've met you three times and I'm in love with you. So see, I got to get into, that's my response to that is part of, like what I believe are some of the most problematic aspects of the movie. <laughs> so I'm going to save that. You mean the stalking? Like okay. The, the stalking, the fact that like as an angel, his sole purpose and his biggest talent is putting people at ease. Yeah. So when he's doing really creepy shit, she just feels at ease because he's literally an angel. Yeah. Yes. It's totally. Like, what? Totally. Ah, so... I mean, I, I know uh, for me, the really the most unsettling parts of this is when she can't see him, because that's another thing we should mention. She can only see him when he wants her to see him. So he right. can wander around her house and watch her taking baths and stuff. And she has no idea that he's there. So at a certain point watching this movie, I was like, is this designed for like stalker dudes to feel better about themselves? Okay, he also he- doesn't have any personality he doesn't this is well okay the like (laughs) i i love that he is apparently a huge hemingway fan but what he is a fan of is that hemingway describes food a lot every author that i've ever read like them or not if they spend a lot of time describing food i'm like no so he likes the most boring part of the books that he likes too yeah yeah And and he has to sit around in the library all day waiting for somebody to pick up a Hemingway book and sit there and read it in front of him because he can't physically pick up the books. Yeah, except for somehow he got that book into her bedroom. Well, that was another question. Yeah, so at a certain point in the movie, uh, (laughs) after watching an old man read the book in the library, he magically places it next to Meg Ryan's bed um because you know he just shows up to watch her sleep and sniff her hair and stuff so but uh he goes, shows up to sniff her hair but he can't smell so what is he even doing i, I know i know okay so all right let's <laughs> the let's movie is really uneven super uneven so overall i think we have a lot of mixed feelings about it but i want to go so back a bit said things we hate so far though you've <laughs> only said things that we hate um <laughs> I want to go back a bit and, and just say that I am, I was tainted going into this movie. I have avoided this movie since it came out in 1998. 
because it was based on um, a 1987 Wim Wenders movie set in Berlin uh, called Wings of Desire. And this, it, it's like one of my, it's one of the most beautiful films ever made. And it's this three hour, very deep meditation about the essence of what it means to be human and the beauty and the pain and the fragility of life and, and you know, ultimately why it's worth living and all of like the biggest themes of humanity summed up in this like three hour epic movie. And it got condensed down into like two hours of Nicolas Cage sniffing Meg Ryan's hair. So obviously going into this was like, <laughs> I was a little bit tainted to begin with. Um, I did like when we were texting and you were watching it, and I started to realize that you didn't know how it ended. Right. And I, I mean, I had my suspicions. Um, it's not at all how uh, the original ended, and it's not at all. I mean, Wings of Desire. The female character that the angel falls in love with doesn't come in until the very end of the movie. She's barely in it. Um, I, I should also mention that Wings of Desire. The other thing that makes this film awesome is that it also features. Nick Cave as Nick Cave and Peter Falk as Peter Falk making a Columbo movie and in the in in the movie he is um he confesses to one of the angels that he is also a fallen angel so this movie is just like it's perfection there's it's it's amazing the character we have instead of Columbo in City of Angels is like an old construction worker guy who talks about Meg Ryan's tits, and um, that makes me super <laughs> uncomfortable. And so, um, but I think that goes back yeah. to how uneven the movie is because he makes those weird breasts, but like that's the only time that he's not like kind of a generally likable guy who just really appreciates his family <laughs> and food. He really and loves food. food, but I get that right, like. He never got to taste anything or feel the textures. So he loves, he's going to make the most of it because of everything he sacrificed. That makes sense. Loving his right. wife and his kids and his grandkids, all of that makes sense. And like the hinting that he kind of misses what he had before, all of it. But then like out of nowhere, he's also just like really disgusting to Meg Ryan for no reason. Yeah. Yep. Um, and also Nicolas Cage, the way it's played when he makes the decision that he is in love with Meg Ryan and he's going to become a human, he's going to take that choice and become a human. It's kind of played for laughs, which made me again yes! uncomfortable because in the original, when the angel makes that decision, this is the other thing about Wings of Desire, it was because it was based in Berlin and because it was made right before the Berlin Wall came down. It's this amazing snapshot of what Berlin was like during a very strange period. And there's a lot of references in the movie to the fact that these angels have been there through the Holocaust and through like the worst that humanity can do to each other. And yet still this angel has seen enough of like how wonderful human love is that he's willing to sort of take the risk and go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this because I've been watching humans for eons and now I wanna experience love the way that they do. So it's ultimately right. a hopeful message. Nicholas Cage throws him just instead in, in City of Angels, just goes, oh, yeah, I feel like doing that now, and throws himself off a building and is, like, running around the city, bleeding and loving it, and then he gets mugged, and then he's, like, has a hard time with showering because he can't believe how hot the water is, and likes eating pears and it just was kind of played up for life almost like a, a goofy montage which was like okay you really sucked all of the the marrow out of this in my notes i have is everyone in la an asshole because when he jumps <laughs> it very clearly looks like a suicide attempt and all of the construction workers just laugh at him and make fun of him Ah, but everyone see, in, in this movie, everyone in LA is an asshole in this movie because, okay, first, that, that's terrible. Like, they witness what they think is an attempted suicide and they're like, ha ha ha, you tried to kill yourself, but it didn't work. And then oh, they see, have. I didn't see it like that. I think I thought that he had thrown himself off the building and nobody could see him while he was throwing himself off the building. They just saw him wake up 
on that structure and probably thought he was drunk. That's how I interpreted that, in all fairness. But oh, I will yeah. say this. Did you notice that one of the construction workers was Ron Swanson from Prava from Parks and Recreation? I didn't. And I can't believe I didn't because that is my like all time favorite show. <laughs> yeah. Nick Hoffman is one of the construction workers. But but I have other evidence for why everyone in L.A. is an asshole. In context OK, of let's go. Let's do it. Um, Meg Ryan is the only person who can see Nicolas Cage, but she is walking through work, through a farmer's market, through the freaking library, like in the library, they ha she has like, she's talking loudly to him. Oh my God. And you're right. she's like making eyes at nothing to everyone else. There's no one there and nobody oh God, ever intervenes. Right. Even her friends at work don't intervene to be like, are you okay? You were just talking to yourself in the lab for like 20 minutes. Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even right? think of that. Um, and then to pile on even more, the filmmaker's like horrific view of humanity, there's that little like plot point where Meg Ryan figures out what's wrong with the baby in the nursery. Yes. Nothing about the story has changed if the baby was just a baby that was in the nursery, but they had to make it a dumpster baby. It just had to be a dumpster baby. They like, yeah. They spent time talking about it. And I'm like, what is the point? Like, this movie, like, hammers the negative shit so hard. Like, it opens with a long, drawn-out death, sudden death of a child. Ah, now, see, that's... <laughs> now you're actually going to get into something that I did like. Now, um, the original movie is very morbid. It's about the worst parts of being human and the best parts of being human. The problem with um, City of Angels is that it's trying to do it in shorthand all the time. And I think right. the one time that it was actually successful in making Nicolas Cage not seem like a massive creep was at the very beginning, you know, a child dies and he escorts her over to the other side. And I was actually very moved by that scene. I was like, oh, my God, I think this actually might be a good movie because it, I was genuinely moved. I shed a tear. You know, and not because, right. you know, the mother is sad or the child is dead. It wasn't even about the child dying. I just like the the imagery of that angel coming to get her, I think, was very beautiful and very beautifully done. And then it all went downhill. <laughs> well, here's the thing. But because I watched the previews, too, because I saw this movie when it came out because it was like pretty huge. Right. Yeah. It was. But it was. Um, I didn't really remember much about it except for the horrible end. Um, and so I'm watching it yeah. and I'm like, but this movie was marketed like it was lighthearted and that yeah. it was going to be like heartwarming and like, you know, uplifting. And then you open with this because you can hear like the angels can hear people's thoughts. So you're hearing the mother slowly realize that her child's dying. You have this like bit off camera where she puts the kid into a cold bath and the kid screams in pain. And like, yeah. they kind of like hover on the mother's grief and all this go and you're like wait a minute like the previews didn't prepare me for this no like how is this it the is beginning to the movie that they marketed and then the part that matters right it's like him talking to the girl and like you know what's your favorite part of being alive and just like oh it was pajamas and it's sweet i feel like you could have had that power like that's one of the scenes that would have worked better in shorthand given the tone of the movie but yes, the thing is is that the they couldn't seem i feel like they couldn't seem to figure out what the tone of the movie was and that was the they absolutely biggest could not they a hundred percent could not figure out the tone for this and it's difficult because i'm sure they they looked at the original and went right we can we can change this and we can turn it into like a hollywood movie um but it's still trying to make all of the dark points all of the philosophical points but just really quickly. And then let's throw some humor right. in here. And then, you know, Meg Ryan, I, I really, okay, this was, this was something that came to me. It's, it's taken me a couple of days to get to this. But it occurred to me earlier, this movie is actually very irresponsible in terms of Meg Ryan is uh, when she kind of sort of sees him in the operating theater as she's losing a patient and afterwards she says you know I did everything right for that patient I don't understand why I lost him we did everything right and she explains later in the movie you know she has a sense 
that maybe she doesn't have any control over this and maybe it's all predestined. And, you know, the, the death of the child, there was something implied in there as well. And it right. basically, the overall movie ends up giving you the impression that doctors are obsolete and that it's nothing's up to them, which is right. super crazy and super irresponsible. And I can't believe it took me two days to notice it, but it's like, oh my God, they, that's basically what they're saying. You know, the the fallen angel who's chosen to be on earth prior to Nicolas Cage has heart surgery. And he says to Nicolas Cage, because he can also, he also knows he's there because it's a fellow angel, tell them I'm not ready to come yet. And Nick Cage is like, oh yeah, no, you're not coming kind of thing. But it's like, oh, does, does, okay, so is this hospital obsolete? Like, what point like, are they why trying to make this? Yeah. Yes. It, and why bother? This is the thing that I really hated about the movie is that there was no message to this movie at all. It existed to be emotionally <laughs> manipulative. It existed so that at the close to the end, Castiel comes to visit him and he's inexplicably living in Meg Ryan's house, even though nobody knew, knew that he existed oh, until I like the day know. Before. It's like you're not married to her. You had one day with her, literally. Like once he'd become a human and then all of a sudden he's like oh, i'm just gonna live in the house now and no one's gonna mind right, like, like nobody evicted him where nobody is was like, Who's this homeless unemployed guy that's living yeah. in their house happened to be there yeah. when she died like anyway yeah yeah <laughs> but the whole movie existed so that he could tell cassiel that having one day with her where he could really experience like physically loving her and being with her was worth all everything he gave up. I think and ultimately the message is that boning in front of the fire is better than eternal life. <laughs> right. It's just like that <laughs> the whole movie existed so that Nicolas Cage could say that and like specifically teenage girls, I believe this, could go, oh and then like yeah. teenage girls and like middle aged women who aren't fully happy in their marriages right that is yeah. it everybody else yeah. sees that and goes why like why did this movie have to happen <laughs> uh now one thing i will say for this movie is that um meg ryan does have more involvement and more say in what's happening in her life than in the original movie where you know the angel falls in love with a circus performer and i don't think at any point she's made aware of the fact that he is a fallen angel um whereas meg ryan is sort of consulted along the way repeatedly yeah, but then like, he doesn't listen to her when she sends him away mm, and then oh, that's true see because that was the other thing i really didn't like so you have this whole moral quandary where if you are an eternal all-knowing being that automatically makes people feel at ease is it okay to stalk someone and start a relationship with them like could that ever be like really consensual because like in comparison to him before he falls she's totally powerless even though she's a very uh, successful woman right yeah you make a good point and she doesn't know that even when she finds out he's an angel because it's one of the things I liked about the movie it's kind of a role reversal of the whole like naive babe in the woods thing because he doesn't yeah. know anything and she's telling him all about it. But there's like well, this here's, other through line. Here's the other thing I don't understand. If you're an angel and you've been watching humanity for eons and you've been taking care of human beings at their most desperate points and offering comfort to them. And we see a little, we see a little bit of that in this, not a huge amount, but like the general Literally a montage, is, yeah you're you're an angel so you've you've been watching humanity forever so none of these things literally nothing should come as any surprise to you if you've been watching it for eons you don't have to live as a human to understand certain things about being human if you've been watching it for hundreds of years do you know what i mean that didn't make any right. sense to me and i also feel like okay when he's having this conversation with cassiel about whether or not he's gonna fall cassiel's like well, what are you waiting for but Cassiel clearly is never going to make that choice. So what the hell is his deal? Um, 
I felt, oh my God, I thought exactly the same thing. He was like, well, what you, why don't you just do it now? It's like, okay, first of all, bro, this has been like your BFF, your angel BFF. They hang out on like highway signs in bad CGI uh, <laughs> and they hang out in like, they hang out all day, every day together and they watch the sunset and they sunrise with all of the other angels who never speak to them. It's just the two of them. If there is a buddy element to this movie, it's those two. And this his friend is just like, yeah, bro, go for it. And it's like, the, okay, angels, no. No, no. That angel, it doesn't make sense. And so wouldn't he, he be said, a bit lonely? And wouldn't Nicolas Cage, like, say goodbye to him after, you know, decades and generations of the two of them sitting side by side and watching humanity? He didn't even say goodbye. It was just super shitty. Well, but then Cassiel comes back and is kind of shitty to him. Yeah. Like, oh, like, well. He's feeling sorry for himself. Like, the most unimaginable thing has happened. And Cassiel's like, you know better. Like, yeah. Almost like, what did you think was going to happen? Being human sucks. We know that. Like, that is basically what he said in a roundabout way. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you were the one that was like, just do it, man. Quit talking about it and just do it. And like... And then at the end, he's, like, super happy that Nicolas Cage is swimming in the ocean, like, oh! And it's like, what? Like, what a waste of such I a great actor, too, because I love that actor. But yeah. he was all over the place. Um, this is another flaw while we're, while we're talking about him. Um, it, he seemed to be the only black angel of all of the angels. Which there was one other, struck me as... and it had an afro. Okay, so of the <laughs> Legion of angels that we saw in this movie all standing around on the beach and standing around in the library, literally a hundred of them. There's only two black. What, why would the angels and be, since they've never been human, why would there be discrimination or any kind of non mixing of the races or having one as a minority? If they're eternal beings, that also didn't also, make sense. Also before I watched it, I had this thought and I was like, are there no women angels in that movie? And then I thought there are no women angels, right? But I thought no. I'm just thinking that because they focus on Cassiel and Seth the whole time. But then I watched it and I kept looking and like theoretically they're like genderless. So why would they all just look like dudes? Tons of white dudes. Yeah, just tons <laughs> of white dudes. Yeah, white dudes in trench, in trench coats. coats. Oh, but and I know Columbine. this was made. This was made the year before Columbine, and the trench coat thing is just a really unfortunate um, coincidence. Uh, but for audiences watching it now, it has a completely different connotation, and it it's has not a weird good. feel. Like, because they're, like, they're in like, yeah, yeah when he's like wandering around her apartment watching her take her clothes off wearing his trench coat there's something really unsettling about it but that's not the fault of the movie it's just they no. didn't know that was going to happen it wasn't but their fault you know what else i i thought of just before we started like just before i was like going over my notes and kind of numbering him so i knew like which thoughts belonged where right and i went Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, like, we wanted to look at what was going on in the world during Google, like, major news stories of 1998. And granted, the movie was written and filmed before 1998. However, 1998 was the year that Bill Clinton was fooling around with Monica Lewinsky. And I thought it was, like, so strange because it is, like, a man who has like, immense, unimaginable power and, like, a woman who died having a consensual relationship that's just kind of icky and everyone thinking it was kind of cool. Like, that was what was oh, happening Renee. in the U.S. at that time. You're so smart. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> I to Google it. But yeah. Like, <laughs> I yeah. Google it to figure it out. But how weird is wow. that, right? <laughs> that's pretty weird. That's pretty weird. There's a lot of things that get put into movies to make the public feel okay about them when we generally shouldn't. And that does feel like a bit of a coincidence. Because I know we're going to have the part where we talk about what we like. And I want everyone that's listening to understand that that is going to happen. Just not yet. Because there are a couple is of things that bothered me. <laughs> no, I have, okay. I, I have some things numbered. Like three items. Okay. <laughs> no, but... 
so what really bugged me out is that so Meg Ryan's boyfriend is in the movie for like maybe a total of three minutes, right? Yeah. Like if you add up all of his screen time. We know more about him than we know about Meg Ryan's character, even though she's ostensibly the lead. <gasps> well, we, we hear her say, yes, because, okay, we hear her say she's a workaholic, but we don't ever actually see that. We see her on her downtime, like, all the time. She right. takes a whole day to go fuck off with an angel for no reason. Like, <laughs> she's, so we're told that, but we don't know that because we haven't seen it. We know that she rides her bike to work. We know what her job is. And that's literally it. But her boyfriend, we know he likes camping. We know that uh, when he gets stressed out, he plays basketball on the roof and smokes. We know, like, that he has, like, a vision for marriage in mind and, like, all this other stuff. We know that he equal to or above her because he makes the call on the surgery she has to skip, right? But he's hardly ever, like, he's hardly in the movie at all. And the rest of the time, we just see... Meg Ryan like doing things with Seth, and that's it. That's you true. don't see anything about her hanging out in the NICU, or well, not, it's not even the NICU; this. it's just a nursery. I will say this: she, we do know um, that she is in the middle of having a crisis, though, because she she's not been she's not had any spiritual beliefs before. She's been very scientific, and her losing that patient at the surgery where she first sees. Um, the angel that's the point where she starts having a crisis so I mean the movie is focused on her having the faith crisis so that might be why but I mean we don't know we don't hear anything we don't hear anything about like there's no mention of her family there's no mention of any friends other than people she works in the hospital with she doesn't even have like a girl buddy or a gay buddy and I feel like in these movies that usually happens and also, I'm going to tell you the other thing that was so weird. This movie passes the Bechtel test, but like, mm. because she's talking to the lady who runs the nursery, the doctor that runs about the nursery, the about the baby, but that's it. And it's the yeah. only time that another woman is like in the movie at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just get snippets, like seconds of other women, and then they like they pass the Bechtel test and then just careen right off into this whole movie being solely about her relationship with this man and this angel who's basically a man. I mean, also, this film, and I will say this, I got an hour into it and I was like, oh my God, how long is this thing? I don't know how much longer it could take it. <laughs> um, and I hit pause and I was like, oh my God, it's two hours long, right? Now, granted, Vim Vendor's original was three hours long. But you know what? If you are going to cut this story down to two hours and try and make sense of it, maybe focus on just one thing. And maybe also don't choose this ending because that added a good 20 minutes right. of bullshit that we didn't need. Yeah, it was like, yeah. It's like the longest sad ending ever, which didn't help. And also, again, it was this intense tonal shift. Like, the movie mm -hmm. starts out sad, and then it's kind of funny, and then it's, like, super romantic, and then it's, like, kind of funny, and then super romantic, and then just, boom, the most depressing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so we should, for, for people who've managed to listen this long without seeing this movie, um, we are going to tell you how it ends now. Um after Nicolas Cage decides <laughs> to become a human man so he can bone Meg Ryan in front of a fire, um, Meg Ryan gets up the next day and goes to get groceries uh, while Nicolas Cage has like some goofy moments around the house trying to figure out how to be a human, having never learned anything from watching us for generations. Uh, and then Meg Ryan on her bicycle riding through beautiful countryside gets hit by a logging truck and immediately dies. So they get one day so together after all of that. Here's the thing I noticed, too. Like, the first time I saw this movie was when it came out, which, God, that's a really long time ago. But um, I didn't realize how... Oh, my God. Exactly yeah. 20 years. I didn't realize how almost funny it is. Like, that scene, that exact fucking scene has been played for laughs in so many movies and TV shows. Where someone is, like having their moment and then like suddenly dies like a really shocking gruesome yeah. death. 
and yeah. they and they just get it dead serious like yeah she's gonna die now because that's how we're gonna make teenage girls also, and unsatisfied married I mean, women cry the thing is this it's it really feels like i mean I, and this is the issue that i have with this film i feel like they all of the points that were made in the original movie very beautifully and very slowly and very subtly and you have to kind of think on it to figure it out all of those points are essentially made in city of angels but you're clubbed over the head with them so like yeah. rather than in the original the tragedy the sad part is and the beautiful part at the same time is that you know this angel is giving up eternal life and that's obviously like there's something reasonably tragic about that the, it's you know and it's tragic that he's going towards uh, a form of living that he knows is going to call him cause him pain eventually you don't need to tack on an extra death at the end of that do you know what i mean like they could have played up like everything that Nicolas Cage is giving up to be a human and to be with Meg Ryan and knowing that he's going to grow old and die and, and experience pain and all of those things could have been done in the way to make it like, that's the big sacrifice. That's the big tragedy and how beautiful that he's willing to do it for Meg Ryan rather than going, Oh, let's just chuck him off a building. Yeah. And then like, he'll hurt his hand and then like have a shower and then they'll bone in front of the fire and then she'll, she dies. And that's the sad part. Like, why does she have to die at the end of this? There's already a lot of other things going on. It just felt really right. forced. Like, really why couldn't forced. it be? Okay. Cause Nathaniel talks to him, or talks to Meg Ryan for like 30 seconds about this, right? About how wonderful it is to be an angel. And he mentions to Nicolas Cage's character once that like other fallen angels don't like hanging out because it just reminds them of what they've lost. But they never go into what that really is. Like the way he describes being an angel to Meg Ryan is like, I suppose that would be nice, kinda. But like as a human being who's never experienced that, I have no concept of what hearing the music that the sunrise makes even means <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. and then why couldn't there be a scene where like you see Cassia watching him and being sad or like you see them trying to be friends still and not being able to make it work or whatever yeah. like there's so many ways they could have done it that would yeah. have been kind of beautiful and instead they were just like and now she's dead ha ha yeah, no, I mean, it was so just, manipulated. It's not just manipulative, it's lazy. It's super, super lazy. Um, you know, and it still would have been for teenage girls and for, you know, middle-aged women who aren't very happy in their marriages would still find an awful lot of beauty and sadness in him giving up eternity to be with Meg Ryan. That's a perfect yes. ending for a movie of this I nature. I would have loved that. Well, I would have loved it. So and gratuitous. Yeah, I'm just in my mid-30s, and I'm pretty happily married, and I would have really been moved by that. I wouldn't have yeah. felt like, oh, this is just supposed to be my excuse to get drunk and cry. Right, right. Um, and I hate movies like that. Yeah, yeah. It could. I mean, there's just, it's too many things going on. And I mean, they, they took a three-hour movie, and they cut the soul out of it, and made it a two-hour movie that they then tried to insert a soul with the, let's just kill someone um but yeah <laughs> it feels a, it feels a little bit like you know when uh game of thrones gets accused of this a lot where they use rape as just a plot point to move things forward yes um the, it is exactly the death that. of Meg ryan in this movie feels very much like that like oh no what about him like we're all worrying about him because she died she just died like well who's gonna miss her that's the thing, oh, is that they don't show no her friend. having a relationship with anyone but her boyfriend, who she dumps, for a guy yeah. that, that her boyfriend didn't even know existed. And this is the other thing. This happens a lot in uh, romantic movies of all types. But this guy was totally dedicated to her. There's never a yes. moment where he is bad to her in any way. When she says... When she tells him that she's feeling really terrible about the guy dying in surgery, he's like, why didn't you call me? Yeah. And she's, like, kind of mean to him, but she's kind of brusque about it. And, like, he likes being around her. When he realizes that he's, like, kind of get getting distance between 
them and they're not having the same relationship they usually have he's like let's go away for the weekend you know like he's like trying so hard and she's just like she shows up one day it's like i'm not gonna marry you but i am gonna go to tahoe that was a great suggestion for a weekend away he (laughs) is a good boyfriend he's a solid boyfriend and you know what we see her doing with him that we don't see her doing with the angel laughing she laughs with him she's fun with him and the what she wants from him and this is the only thing that she seems to that she, we we are actively told that she gets from Nicolas Cage Angel is, you know, after spending the day with him, she goes home to her boyfriend and she says, look at me, let's just sit and be and like not talk and not do anything. And she enjoys the peace that she has from the angel she's been hanging out with all day. But it's like you're comparing right. a celestial being and how being around a celestial being makes you feel compared to your actually really perfect boyfriend who's also a doctor and would be a great partner. And that you loved before all of this. Like, that's the thing. Well, that's where it always gets me. That they were fine before. Ah, she didn't seem that into it. You know? But she didn't seem not into it. But see, this is the thing. We only see her, this, again, we only see her interacting with him after she's started having this crisis. And mm. so I guess, like, really, we don't know what it was like before. Can we just talk about the fact, and I really, I can't believe we haven't quite got into this yet because there's just so many things in this movie. But the first time she meets the angel, it's in a completely empty, reasonably creepy corridor of a, ho- of a hospital after visiting hours and he and Nicolas Cage pops up in his trench coat and starts talking to her and and you know calls her by her name and she's like who are you what are you doing here and he's just like oh I'm just I'm just hanging out being Nicolas Cage and looking wistful and she's like she's like sweet okay bye and it's like okay this in real life would be legitimately terrifying why is there a strange man in a trench coat, in this empty hallway, at night, who knows my name? Absolutely horrifying. But that's where I think, okay, so my suspension of disbelief goes with, like, like you see them, like, they comfort humans, like, their very presence, right? So I can suspend my disbelief that she isn't terrified by him, but that's what makes it so much more creepy as the viewer. Yeah. He could do anything, and, like, apparently he's completely oblivious to how human beings operate even though like you said he right. shouldn't be right anything and she'd be like that's fine because you just make me feel so calm and then what happens now that he's a human and doesn't automatically just make her feel calm and happy all the time yeah like he helped her sleep but that was when he was an angel yeah yes so oh that's a good point <laughs> well we'll never know because they she's dead one night together and then she yeah. died so we never had to have City of Angels 2, um, where the two of them stumble <laughs> through the farmer's market, tasting all of the pears, which <laughs> had this had a different ending and had also, the movie done a little... I mean, I think the movie did quite well, but you can see that happening. Like, if they'd ended up together and somebody didn't die, we might have had to sit through a sequel. So that's something. It's I true. Suppose. Also, hearing Meg Ryan describe what a pear tastes like makes pears sound terrible. I think pears are terrible, and I thought she did a beautiful job with that description. <laughs> See? <laughs> but, yeah. okay, one last thing I have to say, because this creeped me out so much. When they mm. are making out, and I thought they were already having sex, because it's, like, the most obscene making out ever. <laughs> and then, like, I guess you're, it's something changes. They're now having sex, and she's like, we fit together. We were made to fit together. And I'm like, that is what creepy older men say to virgins. That is not okay. It's so creepy. Oh, God. This was written by an old creepy dude. (laughs) Right? Like, that is somebody's idea of what's romantic. And, I've like, you see that, like, in in movies and stuff? Like, when when a guy is taking a girl's virginity, he says that. And it's like, it's so gross. And also... (laughs) There's no way on earth that a guy who'd never even touched anything 12 hours ago just has satisfying sex with someone. Well, I actually wrote down in my notes, um, did he even have a penis before? How does he know what he's doing? How many couples has he watched have sex before now? Isn't that a little bit creepy? Wouldn't this be bad? 
um many many questions about the sex and also wouldn't he just come immediately because like that's right i feel like he would have came when doing he... all that breathy making out yeah would have just happened because if you yeah no um and also you okay make ryan saying that stuff about fitting together was bad i was more uncomfortable when she asked him to describe what sex felt like and he just said in a very nicholas cage voice warm yes <laughs> like so awful why didn't you just say wet too just to really hammer the point right. home like of all of the things that get described gratuitously in this movie that's what he went with after experiencing sex for the very first time yeah warm like, you know, there's warm. lots of things in life that are warm. I'm laying under a blanket right now. It's warm. It's not anything like sex. <laughs> yeah, no. No, and he'd already been in front of the fire already that night, so <laughs> I feel like I bet that, that trucker you know, had a heater, too. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he he really uh, forced Meg Ryan to describe what eating a pear tastes like. Um, and that's the best he could do? Like, reciprocate like do her a favor am i wrong but was he sort of lying by omission in that pear scene because she's like how do you not know what a pear tastes like and he's like i don't know what a pear tastes like to you to you yeah totally he's totally like he's lying he's hiding the fact that he's like an all-knowing ancient being it's like the equivalent of like a teenage girl dating a guy in his 80s but worse oh god well, I don't know about that. And also, how do you gently say it when someone asks you, how have you never tasted a pear before? All right, sweetheart, I'm actually an angel. Like, that's going to be the end of that conversation. That's what, where my suspension of disbelief would come in. Like, you couldn't but, just lay but that he on told her He told her he was a messenger of God. And then he told yes. her that he had conversations with her dog. And she was fine with that. Yeah, the messenger yeah, of God thing was anyone in their tracks. The yeah, if someone, if you are a scientist, if you are a person of science, uh, even if you are in the middle of having a crisis, if someone rolls up and says you're a messenger of God, you run in the other direction. Like I am somebody who believes in the afterlife. I'm quite a spiritual person, but if I met some dude and one of the first things he said was, "I'm a messenger of God," I'd be like, "Bye." Bye, boy. Like no. I vividly remember when I was when I was active in church. We, um, I'm a former Mormon. I'm a foreman. So <laughs> once a month you have Fast Sunday, and on that day, service is just people coming up as they are moved to the podium and talking about their relationship with Jesus Christ. And okay. this guy who was a recent convert came up and started talking about how he was a prophet. Now, mind you, the Mormon Church believes in prophets. There was not a single person in that room who was comfortable, though. Right. Because it's like a whole different thing when it's just some guy who comes up and is like, I talk to God. God talks to me. I'm a prophet. I hear, and everyone was just like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. We converted a crazy person, and now he's here. What do we do? And those are people who already believed in prophets. Yes. (laughs) So similar, similar deal. Like, nobody would be comfortable with this. I'm a messenger of right. God. Oh, perfect. I haven't believed in anything for the last five, for like my entire life. And for five minutes now, I've been wondering if there's something in the great beyond because one of my patients died when they shouldn't have. So yeah, dude, let's hang out. Oh, yeah. Again, no. unless just the fact of him being an angel makes her feel at ease and therefore make choices she wouldn't make if he I mean, didn't exist to provide comfort to humans. Based on the way that he looks at other humans and how creepy it is in this movie, I'm sure that the direction was for Nicolas Cage to look like wistful and like he's pondering (laughs) something important. But he actually just kind of most of the time looks a little bit like he's just had a lobotomy or something like it's just dead eyes and blank face and, you know, nodding of the head. And I... His mouth uh, hanging open just enough to be weird. Yeah. No, this is not a dude that you want to tell you that he's a messenger of God at all. So In his trench coat and the same clothes he was wearing the last time you saw him. <laughs> and she's like, are you homeless? 
I love that she just throws that question at him, like off the bat, like, are you homeless? Why are you wearing the same clothes? That's not very polite, Meg Ryan. What you doing? And 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 he says no, and she's just like, okay, that checks out. Yeah. Oh, that seems you're reasonable. a crazy okay. person who stalks hospitals at night and talk thinks you can talk to dogs and believes you're a messenger yeah. of God and you wear the same clothes all the time and they're kind of like dirty looking, but it checks out. I'm sure that you're fine. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, oh, oh God, he throws we're, himself we're like, off that building with without checking with her first. Yes, because she tells him not to see the thing is is that the viewer knows that she knows he can do it he doesn't know that but she like he should have checked with her because she had made a decision that she didn't want the pressure of being the reason that he gave up eternity anyway who wants that i would who wants that i just okay so (laughs) what did you like about the movie renee because the only things i liked We've already discussed, which is the scene with the little girl at the beginning, which I actually thought was was um, very beautifully done and very comforting on some level. Um, and I like the fact that Meg Ryan rides a bicycle in L.A. because that shit is hard. <laughs> what did you like? I, I liked there were I really enjoyed all these like really beautiful scenes of like angels on top of things. Yeah, the angels on the beach and like when they come forward in the library um i like the idea that angels live in the library although the scene with all of them them in the library raised some questions about like do angels have mass (laughs) which my husband said well how many angels fit on the head of a pen renee (laughs) yeah i mean i i do i didn't like i mean the library is an aspect in the original too um they do hang out there a lot because they're they're you know sitting around waiting for humans to need them so they're kind of bored like the library's a good spot to be but um i felt like and i really liked the the beach sunset sunrise um issue that they do every day but the the library thing every time they come forward and were staring at nicholas cage wooing meg ryan or whatever it felt menacing to me it felt a little bit menacing I feel like there is an implication that, okay, so we know that Cassiel and Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage's character didn't know that they could fall. But I think that there is an implication that the other angels did know, or at least they knew, like, dude, what you are doing is dangerous. Right. Yeah. Because it's got to be against the rules, Right. Well, I mean, I don't think it's against the rules because they have the get out clause. You can choose to do it and you lose a lot when you choose to do it. I think it's just like, you know, I just all of the angels coming forward and watching them. I'm like, don't you have human beings to be worried about right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, don't you have something yeah. more interesting to look at than these two? I feel like they all it's could so have funny. been doing more for the humans. Because I had the same thought about the whole congregating at sunrise and sunset. And I'm like, bad things happen at sunset. <laughs> It's true. And so right. <laughs> Less so. But um, But it looks cool. Yeah. Like this is this is what made me mad is it was like really well made. Yeah. But everything else was not well done. And the other thing I liked is it had a banging soundtrack for the time it was made. Just and like Um I was very sad that the Goo Goo Dolls um song from this soundtrack was in no way featured in the film. Like, I expected it to come on when the credits rolled, but that was an Alanis Morissette song. I was like, where is the Goo Goo Dolls song? It was okay. like, it was so also, the Alanis Morissette song was a really weird choice because the tone of that song is like, you're uninvited because you're fucking my life up and like you're unhealthy <laughs> for me. But the movie was like, you were uninvited because I wasn't expecting you right like it was weird I didn't listen to the lyrics of that song because I was so just aggravated that I'd been waiting to have a little chuckle at Goo Goo Dolls expense like wherever this was going to pop up in the movie I wanted to I was looking forward to the level of cheese involved and there was it wasn't there what's that what's the lead singer's name again I remember this interview he did uh where he's talking about writing the song so he went to the movies and saw the movie and then wrote the song, right? 
or not he went to the movies, but he went to a screening. And he's talking okay. about it took all the magic out of the song. <laughs> because you know there's the scene, there's the line in the song that says when everything feels like the movies. I was like, well, it feels like a movie because you're sitting in a movie theater watching a movie. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. All I mean, the magic of the song, song is gone. That song for me was also just Oh, so extraordinarily literal. You know, on Project Runway, where they have like a challenge and somebody just does like the exact obvious thing. I feel like that's what the Goo Goo Dolls did with this song. Like, really literally. Yes. It was so weird. It's like you bleed just to know you're alive. And then there's a scene where he's like, I'm bleeding. That means I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I give so up forever weird. to touch you. I know that you feel me somehow. Oh, my God. Uh, separated so, from the movie it might have been like okay but with the movie it's just like wow you were in a creative drought also yeah. i want to make sure that we mention on this episode that the goo goo dolls used to be called the sex maggots it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's i wish that goo -goo the sex maggots fact. had been on this i mean i think the sex maggots is a better name than the goo goo dolls honestly i totally agree I 100%. think that the point was that they were told they got a gig like on a late night show or something and they were told that they couldn't be called the sex maggots. So they just had to come up with a name and that's what they came up with at the last minute. Oh, well, well done, fellas. I hope they're on a lot of yeah. drugs when that happened. Um, About the I mean, same the amount is... of creativity that went into the song went into their band exactly. name. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But see, you know, the the scenes where the angels are standing on high places and and watching from above um are really lovely but again the original movie did it better because they did the original movie didn't fall back on cgi and when city of angels yeah. doesn't fall back on cgi it's very beautiful but when they did some of it was just like oh mate it was bad it was, it was yeah like you yeah. said like the freeway scene that kind of looks pretty scene. cool but it didn't um, <laughs> But that's time. what killed because age it's aged terribly. Like those yeah. odd scenes have aged terribly. Like it's much better when they have the angels like sitting on scaffolding or walking across a tall building, like on the roof, like over the helipad. Like that's better than sticking yeah. them up in strange places, CGI. And as weird as it is to see them all in like these um beat up black dusters, knowing that like now all anybody associates black dusters with is like the matrix and columbine um yeah but taking that away it's aesthetically very pleasing when it's like the backdrop is the clear blue la sky yes i agree and so agree. it's there's these really beautiful filmmaking moments kind of tucked in and there's yeah. like this pretty good soundtrack tucked in but everything surrounding those moments is like what what are you doing yeah. Be funny? Is it uplifting? Is it a tragedy? Like, is this character a likable guy who just has a zest for life, or is he a sexual harasser? Like, it's just so weird. Is the movie a so love weird. story, or is it about the meaning of life? Because those two things are intertwined right. at the beginning, and it becomes like love is life, and all of those things. But it was like what they said in City of Angels repeatedly wasn't it didn't dwell on what it meant to be human. The most they said was that you've got free will. Like that's how they summed up humanity a couple of times in the movie, free will. And I'm like, that's kind of not the point. I feel like they've got free will as it is. If he doesn't have to go and run to people and he can go on farmer's markets, dates with, with Meg Ryan while people are having car crashes, I feel like he already had free will. That didn't make right. any sense. I feel like free will is the get out of jail free card that a lot of people use when they do movies and TV shows that involve angels. Like Supernatural, my favorite angel is Castiel from Supernatural, even though that show just, I can't explain to you why I liked it when I liked it. And it's like worse now than it was <laughs> then. <laughs> but there's that, there's that whole no, thing there too. It's like, we're not bound to what is predestined we have free will but then the problem with that in city of angels is that it's like yeah we have free will but also repeatedly they're like oh, i mean no you don't everything is predestined no. it's just gonna happen yes. it's gonna happen like yes it's a total contradiction yeah like and if, there's no point if, in, in going into medicine because mm -mm, it's not up to you it's up to god so forget about that meg ryan right. 
the little girl died of a fever. Yeah. The like the guy on the table just like his heart just went insane, even though nothing happened that should have made that happen. Like right. I could have they dug really it if point. they were like, look, sometimes things happen that are outside of our control. You can't beat yourself up about it. Like that guy was having heart surgery because he led an an unhealthy life that led to poor heart health, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They were just like, oh, no, sometimes people just die because God wants them yeah. to. But also Nicolas Cage was like, you're a really good doctor. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do you right. know? And, and how long have you been stalking her? Yeah. Oh, no. Because that raises questions, doesn't it? Like, we know the first time she noticed him, but we don't know if he hasn't been hanging around the hospital, like, creeping on her in the locker room. Because <laughs> why wouldn't he? Ooh. He creeps on her while she's taking a bath, and he's listening to how her innermost thoughts. How many other ladies has he creeped on before? They just never saw him, so he didn't get infatuated. So right. and it's clearly an infatuation, because Cassiel says that he had a similar experience. Yeah. Good old Cassiel. And he just kind of wrote it off like, that was weird. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, in summary, we mostly didn't like it then. I'd, I'd say... Yeah, uh, no, it's, in summary, it, you know, this is what made me mad about it, is it could have been good. Well, it could have been Wings of Desire. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it I haven't seen like it a, yet. English... It could have just been like an English language version of Wings of Desire and they could have also still had Nick Cave in it and also still had Columbo in it and it would have been awesome. Um, but they, they didn't go in that direction. So um, they this this is the thing. This is why I'm viewing this slightly slightly more cynically than you. All of the elements of City of Angels that I liked were, were done better in the original and stolen from the original. Right. So you know, when I get that, because and I, I think it's funny you're saying you're viewing it more cynically than me, because I'm definitely like, this movie made no sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I could have forgiven some of the more egregious things in this movie if they had just picked a tone and went with it. Like, I'm mm-hmm. watching the movie and I'm like, we made a mistake. Like, we told people we were going to watch romantic comedies, and this isn't that. And it's not, but then I it know. was. I but then it too. wasn't. But then it was, but, but the it wasn't. Only time, like, the only time that it was was when he suddenly became human, which should have been the darkest point in the movie, but he's like frolicking around and being hilarious. Right, it makes no quotation. sense because because Nathaniel tells him it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to you, but you'll be happy about mm-hmm. it. But you just see him being happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, but I, I felt like there were moments that were meant to be funny that didn't deliver. Maybe it just went over my head. Well, like when when Nathaniel is harassing Meg Ryan, honey. Yeah, but I think it was meant to. Be. No. <laughs> no, I, I mean... agree that it was not funny. But I think that yeah. they intended that to be like, oh, look at that cad. He's just he's got a lust for life, and he's such an entertaining middle aged man. He's not even an old man. That was the other thing. It's like it's no. all these things that old men get away with, but they just. He was not old enough even to count. I feel the that need that I have, to, I have to say this line out loud just so people can understand the horror of this. Like, we're not being overly sensitive. He literally says about Meg Ryan, she's a little flat-chested for my taste, but all you need is a handful, right? Like, that's literally because what he says. Like, awful. And the context of it is him realizing that this angel sitting with him is in love with her and is about to decide whether or not to fall. And like, I feel like the movie was made with the assumption that people know the basics of angel mythology, which is like being a fallen angel is bad. Right? Yeah. So he knows how serious this is. He has done it himself. He has felt the loss. And his reaction to that is to be like, oh, small tits. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, talking about the uneven nature of this, an example, this is another example. So we have that, that him talking about her and objectifying her in that way, you know, we're supposed to find it funny. And that was about 10 minutes after we'd seen her walk into a waiting room to tell a family that, you know, their loved one is dead. 
And when she walks into the room, the family says, where's the doctor? Because they're inherently sexist and they don't think that women doctors exist. And I had right. a moment where I was like, oh, I like this because they're making a point about sexism. And then they just completely undid it like 10 minutes later with that, uh, with that it's other scene. So, it's so weird because I wanted to like this because usually in a rom-com, a successful woman has to be taken down a few pegs. And they weren't doing that here. And I right. wanted to like it because there was that that flip of power that sometimes happens. Like, again, usually it's the man teaching the mermaid and Splash all about yes. human life. Or it's yes. the man teaching Lilo in Fidel. Um, but in this case, it was a woman. I just wanted to like it so bad. And I think that's what made me so yeah. angry. Is like... <laughs> Also, they didn't, like, really succeed at flipping the Babe in the Woods thing because, of course, he's, like, he's almost all-powerful. Yes. Someone asks him yeah. if he's God at one point. I mean, he like, he has a significant advantage over her in terms of um, the power play, like, before he becomes human. And he only becomes human in the last, like, ten minutes. Prior to that, he's in the power power position because she's like, who is this mysterious stranger? Why wouldn't you give me your number? He shows up whenever he wants to. Um, and he know, and it's unfair because he knows where she's going to be, but she has no idea right. that he's going to pop up when she's just at the right. park. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I will say, and this is not important, but uh, the pants that Meg Ryan is wearing while she's walking her dog really took me back to the 90s and I like that a lot <laughs> just huge <laughs> for no reason. there you go there's something you like yeah. right? silver lining <laughs> all of my silver linings are like I liked her pants and she's got a bicycle so that's cool uh, that's awesome you know <laughs> clutching at straws perhaps um oh one more thing mm. also she solved that mystery of the baby right she's like the baby can't sleep that's why it's so upset and then her friend, who I don't know if her friend is a doctor or a nurse, because they never, like, doctors are just hang out in the nursery, but I don't know, you know. <laughs> so yeah. she says that she's like, look the baby over 10, 15 different ways. And the only thing keeping her from a diagnosis is that the baby doesn't have insurance, right? Which, by the way, the baby could have been without insurance, even if it had parents that didn't put it in a dumpster. Just for the record. It's true. <laughs> anyway. It's true. Well, um. And then Meg Ryan's like, he can't sleep. And she looks up his nose and she's like, oh my God, he can't breathe. And I'm like, you never looked up his nose? I had the same thought. Like that never occurred <laughs> to you? How that the hell like did you just know to look up his nose now? But before yeah. when you were doing all this other stuff, you didn't think to look up his nose. Like the doctor looks up my nose when I go in for a sore throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Negligence, doctors. Oh, Not it's good. like the worst hospital ever. The doc it's because the doctors bad. don't matter. She only realized the baby couldn't sleep because she was hugging an angel all night anyway. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no. There's so much. There's just so much. There's so much that I don't like. Um But We've I gone okay, half I found... the length of the movie now. <laughs> Yeah, I have. I I feel like I should end on a positive note, and this is a line that is said twice in the movie, and I liked it because I am that asshole that says this to people. Um, I have a lot of atheist friends who think I'm batshit crazy, and uh, he says, uh, well, two different characters say it, but they say some things are true whether you believe in them or not, and I kind of say a roundabout version of that when people are giving me shit. Um, so I, I liked that element. It gives me a shorthand. I don't have to give people a whole speech anymore. I can just throw that at them and make them hate me. What I think is, what I liked about that line is it's so versatile. It works for people who were like super anti-science too. <laughs> like yeah. it's just for yeah, anything right. that's clearly factual. <laughs> like Yeah. Global warming yeah. is happening, whether you believe it or not. Yeah. Like, the afterlife That's is real, point. whether you believe it or not. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I don't think we have decided what we're going to watch next week. 
which is fine. We're going to figure it out. I think we talked about High Fidelity, but I, I have so much hate for that movie too now. I'm afraid if we go too many hates in a row, people are going to be like, well, they're just really angry. <laughs> my, my, vote, my vote next week would be for uh, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, right, because I haven't seen that, and you and my husband <gasps> both love it. Oh, you have to see it. So it's let's the best. let's put that down. Let's pencil it in for yeah. next week. We're gonna do when Harry met Sally, and yeah. also, um, Shane. And if you ruin it for me, Renee, I'll never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, I mean, I have Carrie Fisher on a T-shirt, so like, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Plus, my husband knows how I feel about romantic comedies and how I feel about love stories in general, and he thinks I'll like it. He knows me pretty well. well. I was, I, there are some flaws that we can find as feminists, for sure. But we'll get to that next week. <laughs> next week, we're going to find flaws. Um, <laughs> but no, also, we have a giveaway. ShaneParker3000.com is going to give away, uh, give us some cool Greg the Turtle swag and some other things. And we'll have a picture to put up on social media so you can check out what it's going to be. And um, I'm just going to say, like, if you want this, like our Facebook page and leave a comment when we do this episode and we'll pick a winner from there. Yes, that's a good idea. Look how well, well planned we are. We clearly discussed this in advance. Super did. I completely forgot. I've been drinking, okay. I've been <laughs> drinking rosé since an hour before we started because I've oh, never had rosé before. Like, um, it'll be kind of kitschy but, and fun to drink rosé and talk about rom-coms. Rosé is fucking yeah, delicious, though. It's so delicious. And in the summer, it's so refreshing. But I can drink three bottles of it and still not be drunk. Like, for some reason, rosé does not get me drunk. Like, not even a little bit. It just gives me, once you're three bottles in, you get a headache. But that's all that happens. So, I'm a super lightweight. Anybody <laughs> who listened to Books and Booze knows this about me. Um, I am... <laughs> just a little more than half a bottle in and I'm like I better not drink anymore I'm barely keeping it together <laughs> Aww, so but I'm gonna rebrand myself I'm just gonna rebrand myself as the suburban mom who drinks day drinks you know what you probably have been actively avoiding rosé in order to actively avoid that housewife stereotype kind of mom Oh, no, it definitely did yeah. like all of the yeah. rosé all day branding turned me off of rosé but yeah. I had made a joke on our Facebook page about, like, get a bottle of rosé and listen to us talk about rom-coms. And I was like, oh, I should drink rosé. And then I read, what, like, what it's supposed to taste like. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have some of this. And uh, I haven't stopped having it. And yeah. we haven't eaten dinner yet. So it's a whole thing. <laughs> anyway. Well, you're going to have a great rest of the evening, obviously. Yes. My And my husband's only home for, like, the next three weeks. So I really, like, rosé right before bedtime perfect right everyone wins <laughs> rosé rosé and romance it's perfect there you go <laughs> we could have called the podcast that anyway it's, oh my god we could have <laughs> we would have had a sponsor in no time we, um we're gonna come back next week and do when harry met sally and we will announce the winners of the greg the Triple giveaway and i will probably be drunk on rosé again and if any rosé company wants to sponsor us and send us free bottles of rosé, <laughs> uh, you know, just hit us up on the Facebook page. I'll give you my email. And, uh, yeah, I oh, think this whiskey. is a great first episode. We, we take whiskey as well, just saying. Oh, yes, <laughs> definitely. I prefer bourbon or rye. I don't know where your preferences lie, but... Definitely. I'm an Irish. I'm an Irish whiskey, but I also will, will take the bourbon. I'm, I'm not picky. Irish whiskey is great, so I'm going to, yeah... Just basically anything but sour mash. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yes. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>